We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Work Less, Earn More. This is your host, Gillian Perkins, and I am so stinking excited to be here today. We are just a few days into the new year as I'm sitting down to record this. You probably won't hear it till mid-January, but such is content creation, right? And I jumped back into work on Monday, January 1st. I was not going to start this year on a Tuesday. That just was not happening. So after taking about two weeks off for Christmas, I was like, you know, I don't need one more day off. Let's just get back to it. So I have been hard at work this week, getting things back rolling, figuring out exactly what's going on this year, exactly what I want to focus on. But today I want to take a look back at 2023 and talk you through some things I tried this year. Some of them worked really well. Some of them were complete failures and some of them were a bit of a mixed bag. So I've got my list of things I want to talk about today organized as the good, the bad, and the mixed bag. And I'm going to be sharing it all with you today, holding nothing back. I want to be really real with you and just like kind of brutally honest. Sometimes this can be really uncomfortable for me to be honest about the things that didn't work because I want everything to be successful. And you know, of course, I don't want to look bad, right? But at the same time, I also love doing these episodes because they are kind of this like recap for me that I can look back on in future years and think, what worked in 2023? You know, like that was a pretty good year. What worked well? What didn't work? I can go back and I can hear from myself exactly what worked and what didn't to kind of teach my future self. So I hope that this episode can be that for you right now. You can hear from the trenches what really is working and not working so well in online business these days. But before we get into all that, I also wanted to share with you a tiny little snippet of my thoughts on the podcast this year because things are changing a little bit. I mean, you might have already noticed that this episode sounds a little different than our typical episode. So here's my plan, at least for these first couple of quarters of the year. We'll see how things evolve. But I've decided to record a podcast episode every week that's a little bit more candid, relaxed, conversational. These episodes might be on the shorter side. I'm thinking about 20 minutes or so where I am just sharing with you kind of on the go business lessons. Separately from that, Once a month, I'm creating one substantial piece of content. So this is something that I'm producing as a blog article, a YouTube video, and a podcast. And those episodes are going to be a lot more highly produced. They're going to be scripted. They are going to be more edited. And you'll hear a lot more like facts and figures and specific like step-by-step in those episodes. So the plan is to have those episodes come out on the first Tuesday of every month. But I hope that you really enjoy these candid conversational episodes as well, because the reason I want to do this is so that we can have a more like honest, real sort of conversation. And you don't just get kind of the highlights. You don't just get what maybe Chad GBT could tell you or you could hear from anyone else, but you really hear what's actually working for me. So this episode is the perfect example of that. This one might be a little bit of a longer one, but it's going to be exactly exactly that candid conversation I want to be having with you every single week. 
So with that said, let's get on into today's episode, starting with the good, because why not, right? And I'm pretty excited to say that the list of good things, the list of things that worked in 2023 is my longest list. But I'll also foreshadow a little bit and let you know that the few things that didn't work, they really didn't work. And they were kind of big things. Okay, so the first thing that worked, and this is in no particular order, but the first thing that worked was bringing the podcast in-house. So when I started Work Less, Earn More two years ago, I did it with the help of a podcast agency, which was so helpful for teaching me the ropes because I, while I'd been creating content for a few years at that point, I had never created a podcast before. And so just having a team that really knew how to start a podcast, how to run a podcast, how to produce a podcast was incredibly valuable. However, it was also a bit expensive. And midway through 2023, we had a bit of a rift. I don't think I talked about it publicly on the podcast. I didn't really want to sound like I was complaining or like I was throwing anyone under the bus or anything like that. But we had a conflict. And ultimately, we decided that it would be best for us to part ways. And to be completely honest with you, that was already something that was on my mind, on my to-do list for some time later in the year, because like I said, it was pretty expensive to be working with an agency. And once we knew what needed to be done, we knew that we could do it in-house for a whole lot less money every month if we did it ourselves. So midway through 2023, we brought the podcast in-house and it has been a great decision. Now, of course, there still was a bit of a learning curve. You might have noticed a little bit of a rough patch mid-year with some edits and things like that as we figured out what was going on. But ultimately, it was a good choice. I have more creative control over the show now. There are lower expenses associated with the podcast, and it just feels good. I also think that it really has actually saved us some time because we're not having to communicate back and forth with an outside team. Next on my list is another podcast thing, and that is getting more hands-on and going back to basics with the podcast. Now, this probably came in part because we took the podcast in-house, but it actually started at the beginning of the year when I made a commitment to be recording podcast episodes, (laughs) which you might be like, well, weren't you recording podcast episodes before? Well, yes, kind of. So when I started the podcast, I think that this was in year 2021, I recorded a podcast every single week that year. Then when we rolled into 2022, I was like, why am I doing all this extra work? Because I'm also recording a video every week. Can't we just repurpose the audio from the videos? I also had quite a few people tell me you should be repurposing the audio from the videos on the podcast because that would save you so much work. And like any good work less, earn more fan, which I am myself, I was like, I need to try this. I need to see if this will really save me time. So in 2022, I didn't record hardly any podcast episodes. Almost all the podcast episodes were just repurposed audio. And I mean, it kind of worked, but it also kind of didn't work. That was definitely a mixed bag thing from 2022. On the one hand, it did save me some time. On the other hand, it made me feel really disconnected from the podcast. And I felt like I was never having these like, like I was talking about earlier in this episode, these honest, candid, casual sorts of conversations. Because when I film a video, it's just 
different. I've got to look the part. I got to sit up straight in my chair and look straight into the camera and have the right expression on my face and all these different things that don't come that naturally to me. It's way more comfortable and I speak way more authentically when I'm kind of sitting crisscross applesauce in my office chair in a hoodie or a comfy sweater and just crouched in close to the mic and I can pause and breathe and just like stop and think every once in a while, look at my notes, all that sort of stuff. I can just speak so much more naturally. And I was missing that, honestly, when I was only recording videos. And honestly, I wasn't writing that much either, which is another way that I find I express myself pretty naturally. So I was just feeling kind of stiff and feeling a little bit like ChatGPT could do my job just about as well as I could. And this was a little bit before ChatGPT was really on the scene. But if that had happened today, the way I would describe it now would be like almost feeling like ChatGPT could almost just take my job. Like ChatGPT could do this just as well as I could. Whereas when I have these like real, honest, authentic, casual sorts of conversations with you, I know ChatGPT can't do that, at least not anytime soon. So in 2023, I decided, let's go back to basics. I want to record at least 24 dedicated podcast episodes. Maybe we repurpose some other stuff or the other half the episodes. And then, of course, some of the episodes will also be interviews. But at least 24 times this year, I want to just sit down and just talk to you guys. So I did that, and that worked so well. And I'm leaning into that even more in 2024. Okay, so now let's switch away from talking about the podcast and talk about some marketing things. So I've got two main things here that worked really well when it came to marketing, kind of both new strategies, at least to me. One of them was focused JV launches. So JV stands for joint venture. So here I'm talking about teaming up with a partner for a launch. So maybe it was me promoting my product to their audience or them promoting their product to my audience. Now, in 2023, specifically what I did was I teamed up with ConvertKit. They promoted my webinar to their audience. I got to talk to ConvertKit's audience, teach them something, and then offer them one of my products. I did this for the first time at the end of 2022. Then we got to do it again with two different partners in 2023, and it has worked so well every time. So I'm excited to do more of that in the future. And you're going to see in a few minutes here when I talk about something that didn't work so well, one of the bad things, that it's kind of similar to something that didn't work well. But I'll talk then about how it was different, what worked well versus what didn't work well. Okay, the other strategy that worked really well, honestly, I'm a little nervous to share this here because this is like such a new strategy. I don't see anyone else doing it. And so I kind of don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I'm kind of like, maybe I need to make a course about this or write a book about this before I publicly share it because I know as soon as I start talking about it, probably everyone else will too. And then it won't really be my special thing. But I want to share this with you guys because I want you guys to know. So here's what it is. It's called a pod funnel. You know what a funnel is, right? A funnel is essentially like a series of steps that you guide someone on the way to purchase your product. So it could be like a series of emails you send them through. It could include a webinar. It could include ads, all these different things that guide people to purchase your product. Well, a pod funnel is a dedicated podcast that guides a prospective customer pretty much all the way through the buyer's journey. 
So just to be clear, the pod funnel, it's not a complete funnel all on its own, but it is the whole main middle part of your funnel. So it would start with someone first discovering the pod funnel somehow. This could be via paid ads. This could be via you sharing it with an audience you already have on social media or via email. This could be cross-promotion with a JV partner or something like that. But somehow people find out about the podcast. Then you've got this podcast that is typically going to be about 10 episodes long. And it teaches these prospective customers your method, how you do what you do, about the results you get for your customers, and about how your product or your program actually works. And it has this call to action to buy or to apply now throughout it, but especially toward the end. The pod funnel content is actually very similar to what you might hear on a webinar, except it's broken out into about 10 separate episodes, each of which are a lesson in and of themselves. So what I'm not saying here is that you would take the recording of a webinar and just chop it up into 10 segments. That would not work nearly as well. But I am saying that you take very similar content to what you'd teach on the webinar and you break that up into these 10 separate mini lessons. So that's what the pod funnel is. And then, of course, outside of the pod funnel, you'd also have a sales page and you might have some sort of wait list or an application page and you might have some emails that support as well. But the pod funnel is the bulk of the content. And yes, the pod funnel is on my good list, my list of things that worked because it worked so well. I put a pod funnel together for our 100K Mastermind program earlier this year and I didn't quite know what to expect. I didn't know how well it would work or not. And here's what didn't work so well. What didn't work so well was I didn't get very many people to listen to it. I didn't do the best job of promoting it. But what did work really well was the conversion rate. The conversion rate was insane. We were seeing somewhere between 1% and 10% of people who listen to the pod funnel at all convert into an application for 100K Mastermind, which is just crazy. I mean, I never, ever see that sort of conversion rate on a normal podcast or on YouTube videos or blog posts or anything like that. I might see that high of a conversion rate to a free offer, but certainly not to an application for a paid program. So that was pretty crazy. I'll tell you one more thing I love about the pod funnel, but I'm going to have to make a separate episode all about this, or maybe, like I said, maybe a whole course or something. Anyway, I love how the pod funnel is self-contained. So it's just a mini podcast series. It's only about 10 episodes long. It has a beginning. It has an end. So no one is wondering like, where should I start listening to this podcast? Should I start with the most recent episode? Should I start with the first episode that was like five years ago or something like that? Instead, it's just like really straightforward, really clear that they should start with episode one and then they tend to binge and listen all the way through. Anyway, huge fan of this new pod funnel strategy. Please do steal it and use it in your business. Please don't steal it and write a book about my new strategy. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it now. I'm sure I'll be sharing more about it in the months to come. So next up is something that lots of people have been doing for a long time, and that is sponsorships, but I have not been doing them. I have never done a sponsorship until 2023. And I know that might seem really weird, but I've always just been so focused on promoting my own products that it didn't make that much sense for me to use my time or my space on my videos and my podcast to promote other people's products. But in 2023, things aligned and there was a brand that reached out to me about sponsoring my videos. They wanted to pay me a really good rate and they were a brand that I thought that my audience would really like. 
And so I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. And that was the beginning of about a dozen sponsorships that I did throughout 2023. And that was very successful. It ended up earning me almost $50,000 from these 12 sponsorships with minimal effort. There was certainly a bit of a learning curve figuring out how to execute the sponsorships as well as I wanted to, how to effectively communicate with the sponsors and things like that. But it was a very small number of hours of my time to generate that $50,000. And so when I think about work less, earn more, and I think about the most profitable things that I could do with my time, sponsorships are up there on that list now. Now, the last three things on my list are nothing new. Honestly, there are three marketing strategies that worked really well for me this year, but they're things that you know all about already. But I want to mention them because they're things that I've heard people say so many times that they're not working anymore or that they're not working as well or that they're dying. And honestly, these things worked so well for me in 2023 that I got to let you know that these things are still working. So the first one is sales calls. Now, sales calls are relatively new to my business. I used to close everything just completely automatically with people checking themselves out. And this was when I sold only lower cost products. However, when we launched our advanced coaching program, 100K Mastermind back in 2022, I realized that we should at least try sales calls and see if that might help us to convert more of our applicants into paying customers. So we gave it a try and this has worked so well. Now I owe a big thanks here to my closing whiz, Samantha Harris. Samantha's amazing and she has a, such an incredible close rate. She's been closing between 40 and 50% of the people she gets on the phone with and turning them into 100K master mind students, which is just incredible. I can't get over that. But long story short, sales calls still work, especially if you know how to work them. Another thing that still works is webinars. Now, I've been doing webinars for quite a few years now. I've used them to sell almost every product I've ever sold. They work really well. But the main thing I want to emphasize here is that they still work. Especially in the digital marketing industry, I occasionally hear people say that webinars don't work anymore. And whenever someone says that, I always tell them the same thing. I say webinars might not work on you anymore. And if they don't work on you, it's probably because you've watched so many of them and you've spent so much money after watching webinars that they don't work on you anymore. You have realized you spent maybe too much money and so now you're not going to buy anything on a webinar anymore. And that's totally fine. But webinars still totally work. And I know because whenever I do a webinar, I still am able to close around 10% of the people who show up for the class. And I still typically have 30 to 40% of the people who register for the class show up. And I still always have people register for my classes. And it's not just me. My students experience the exact same things. So if webinars don't work on you anymore, that's totally all right. But don't go around telling people that they don't work anymore because they do, especially in other industries outside of the digital marketing industry. In the digital marketing industry, webinars are incredibly common. And so there are a lot of people in this industry that they don't work on anymore. But in other industries, webinars are still pretty new and pretty uncommon. And so if you are in any other industry, then you are going to see even greater rates of success. And I just can't recommend webinars more highly. 
Okay. And the last good thing that worked so well for me this year is another one of those things that is still working. And that's email marketing. There were some big changes at the end of 2022 with email marketing deliverability. And a lot of people were frustrated, myself included, by the changes to the metrics and how now it is more difficult to tell what percentage of people are actually opening your emails, actually clicking. However, despite this small hurdle, the small drawback that we experienced, email marketing is still certainly working and it is how I made the bulk of the revenue that I made in 2023. Okay, so there you have quite a few things that worked really well in 2023. Now let's move on and talk about the bad, the things that just didn't work for one reason or another. And I'm going to be real straight with you and admit that most of these things that didn't work, it's not that the strategy doesn't work. There's a couple where maybe the strategy doesn't work, but mostly it was me. I didn't work the strategy correctly. I didn't do it right. I dropped the ball somewhere along the way. And I take full responsibility for that. And that leads me right into the first thing that didn't work, which is overcommitting. Seriously, I committed to way too many projects in 2023. And I tried to do so without working any more than I normally do. Yeah, I was still working 20 to 25 hours per week. And I was really strict about that. And that was good. But we seriously, when we made our 2023 plans, there were literally over 20 goals on those plans. And that might sound insane. And it kind of was, but it wasn't just a list of like 20 goals, all, you know, numbered one through 20 or something like that. We had it broken down for different areas of the business. You know, in this area of the business, we want to accomplish these three goals. For this product, we want to accomplish these two goals. And so it seemed fairly reasonable at the time. But in retrospect, it was not reasonable. It was way too much. Especially, it was too much for me to manage with my relatively limited capacity. I can only do so much in 20 hours per week. So that was definitely the first thing that did not work. And that's really what led to these other things that didn't work. So just as an example of one of these goals that didn't work because I was overcommitted, one of the goals was to create a free course funnel to promote one of our products. So the idea was that we would create this free mini course. People would sign up for the course and then they would see how amazing it was. And so they would want to buy the full course. That's basically how it was going to work. There were also like emails to go along with it. Well, we did successfully check the box of creating the free course funnel, but it did not work. We had about 500 people sign up for the free course and we literally made one or two sales. So clearly the conversion rate was not there. But what I don't want you to take away from this is that free course funnels don't work. They definitely do. I've seen them work in my business and in plenty of other people's businesses before. What didn't work about this was, like I said, that I was so overcommitted. I was so overcommitted that I didn't do a good job creating the free course. And so it didn't knock anyone's socks off. I also didn't put in enough time into creating the sales emails that went along with the free course. So those weren't good enough either. So again, it wasn't the strategy that didn't work. It was me being overcommitted. The next thing on my bad list is monthly promotions. Now, I was a little bit conflicted about whether this should be on the bad list or the mixed bag list, but I think overall, I've just decided this is something that doesn't work for me, at least not in this season. So what I mean by monthly promotions is running some sort of launch every single month. 
Now, looking back a few years, what I used to do was run about three to four promotions in a year. And I did this probably up until about 2020. Around that time, my income had essentially plateaued. It had been doubling every year for the previous four or so years. And then I think it was 2020 that I made about the same amount of money I'd made in previous year. I was like, okay, something needs to change so that we can keep growing as aggressively as we were before. And one of the most common pieces of advice that I got back then was that if you want to make more sales, you should sell more often. You should sell more. So I took that to heart and I decided, let's try that. And so starting around year 2020, I started promoting every single month. I thought, you know, let's do more launches to try to make more sales. And so I did that throughout at least 2021 and 2022 and 2023. It was a lot of launches. Now, just to be clear, these weren't all me launching a course. Sometimes we were promoting a new product. Sometimes we were promoting a product that we had promoted several times before. Sometimes we were promoting even a free offer. But every single month we were promoting something. And normally it was a paid offer. Well, here's what I finally come to terms with at the end of 2023. This strategy, it's not making me a whole lot more money. My revenue has not grown very much over these past few years. Now it's still at a great rate. I still have this incredible multi six-figure business that I am so just amazed by and so thankful for. But launching every single month isn't really adding to it. In fact, when I look at my business compared to some of my competitors, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes here, but I see that I have some competitors who sell more than me, some competitors who sell a lot less than me, and I would definitely not say that there is a consistent trend with the people who sell more often, the people who launch more often, consistently being more successful. In fact, if anything, I see the exact opposite, where some of my most successful competitors are the people who sell the least often, who only do one or two launches a year. Now, that's certainly not to say that that's the only way to do it. And especially if you have a different business model than mine, then launching every month or even more often might work totally fine for you. For example, there's this jewelry brand called Olive and Piper that I really like to shop from. And I'm on their email list and also on their text list. And at least once a month, they run some sort of promotion and I'll often buy a piece from them because they're selling a much lower cost good, something that can be more of an impulse purchase, something that I'll happily buy almost every single month, even though I bought it the previous month. Whereas with my products, people don't normally buy them that way. Most people, even if they buy more than one of my products, they only buy a couple of times per year. And so by giving them the opportunity to buy every single month, that really reduces the scarcity. It makes my products too readily available. And more importantly, it really wears me out. While I actually really enjoy launching, I really enjoy running promotions, it is time consuming. And launching every single month was taking up so much of my time that I didn't have enough time to do everything that I wanted to do as well as I wanted to do it. And that was making me overall dissatisfied with my work and just not very happy with my work either. And that's a great segue to talking about the next thing that didn't work very well, which was comparison. I feel like I have, as the years have gone by, fallen more and more into comparison. And I mean two different things by this. I've never really been one to be covetous or jealous of what other people have, 
But while I don't compare my house to someone else's house or my car to someone else's car or anything like that, what I have realized in recent years that I'm doing is comparing my results to other people's results. So for example, I might compare my sales numbers to someone else's sales numbers or the views I get on a video to someone else's views on their video or the ranking of my podcast to my competitor's podcast ranking. And I wouldn't necessarily even say that I'm doing it in like a jealous or covetous way where I want what they have. It's more just that I beat myself up for being where I am. I've also noticed that I even compare myself to myself. I compare myself to my future self. So I have goals for where I want to be in the future. But by setting those goals, I then see what is sometimes called the gap between where I am today and where I want to be. And then I beat myself up for not being where I want to be. If you can relate to this at all and you want to hear more of my thoughts on this topic, check out a recent video that I put out on YouTube about how to feel happy with where you are right now. Another great resource for this, which I also reference in that video, is the book, The Gap and the Gain. This book I read this past year, and it really helped me to better understand and become more aware of this mental struggle that I was having where I was comparing myself to my future self and helped me figure out what to do about it. But going back to the topic of comparison and how it didn't work in 2023, I think that what happened in 2023 was mostly that I became aware of how much I was comparing myself to others and my future self and how unhappy it was making me. And so I ended up making a commitment toward the end of 2023 to completely stop comparing myself, especially to others. And I wanted to make this just really practical and make sure that it would actually happen. It wasn't just something that I was saying that I wanted to do, but like, how would I practice this? And so what I did was I intentionally unfollowed all of my competitors, unsubscribed from their email newsletters, and I decided to adopt this mindset that I have no competitors which might sound like sticking my head in the sand and ignoring the problem, but really, I don't. There's no one out there who has the same brand that I have. No one who teaches exactly the same things that I teach. No one who teaches them in the same way. And certainly no one who you know has the same personality or the same life that I have. And I know that I have something unique to share, that I have unique lessons I've learned and a unique perspective to bring to the table. And so I really want to focus on that and focus on digging deeper and sharing more of what really comes from my heart rather than just repeating what I hear other people saying. Going back to what I said at the beginning of this episode, that's one of those things that makes me feel like I could just be replaced by ChatGPT or ChatGPT could just do my job better than I do when I find myself repeating what other people are saying. And this happens so subconsciously. When I just follow my competitors too closely, listening to their podcasts, watching their videos, following them on Instagram and these sorts of things, I find myself naturally just parroting back what I heard them saying, which doesn't seem very helpful. And it also always makes me feel like I'm not really being honest about what really works and teaching you the lessons that I've learned, the things that I think are the most important things for you to be able to successfully build an online business and take control of your income and your time and have a work less, earn more business. Okay, let's move on. I've got two more things that did not work in 2023. 
One was trying to scale my content production. So I was trying to figure out how to work less, earn more. So I thought, well, let's get some more help here. Maybe someone could write my YouTube videos for me. Maybe someone can edit my YouTube videos for me. People could help me film them. People could plan the production. All these different ways that I thought people could help me with the YouTube videos. Also the blog, maybe people could write the blog post for me. I hired people to write blog posts. I hired people to turn my YouTube videos into blog posts. One specific way I wanted people to help me was to write content for my website, things like blog posts, for example, to get my website to rank better on Google so that we could get more traffic from Google. Okay, SEO strategies. Now, I'm not saying, as I mentioned before, I'm not saying that these strategies don't work. But I also know that I'm not the only one who's had a lot of trouble with them. A lot of trouble. Recently, I just watched this video from Matt Deavella. If you don't know him, he is one of the foremost kind of like productivity and minimalism experts in the world, really. He has a massive YouTube channel where he primarily talks about minimalism and habits. He recently made a video talking about how he had scaled his team bigger and bigger and bigger to try to be able to make more content, make better content in less time, that sort of thing. And he ended up finding that it just caused him a lot of stress, that it led him to make worse content that he was less engaged with, less passionate about, and to even make less content because there were so many more moving pieces. It was so much more complicated. And in that video, he also talked about how Ali Abdul, who is one of the biggest productivity channels on YouTube, had a similar experience where while Ali still has a large team and he still gets a lot of help with his content, he too found that having other people write his videos for him and produce his videos for him ended up making him make less content, worse content. He felt less inspired. And Matt talks about a few other people in the video as well who had similar experiences. And when I heard Matt say that, all I could say was, me too. Like, that's exactly what I've experienced. Now, that's not to say that hiring help, delegating, that sort of thing is inherently flawed. Not by a long shot. I still get a lot of help in my business and I love my team and I'm definitely not planning on getting rid of them. But One thing that didn't work was trying to have other people make content for me or do a large part of like the heavy lifting of making the content. At the end of the day, as a content creator, as a thought leader, I need to be putting a pen to page every single day. I need to be writing to be developing ideas to have to share with you. It doesn't just need to be my voice on the podcast. It needs to be my ideas because this is a personal brand. I want to be a thought leader. I want to teach you what I know and believe works. And it just doesn't work for someone to take the broad strokes of my ideas and try to develop them into detailed content. There is really so much nuance to what works and I need to have my finger on the pulse of the content creation. I need to not just read a script for a video or a podcast episode, but instead actually write the words, actually think the thoughts so that I can be teaching you those details. Okay, last thing on my bad list, and that is trying to launch a public affiliate program. Okay, how can I explain this in less than a lot of minutes. (laughs) In short, we wanted to launch a public affiliate program because we had a lot of people, students of ours, listeners to the podcast, listeners of the YouTube channel, who were saying to me, 
can we promote your products? Do you have an affiliate program that I can sign up for? I want to share your products with people and earn a commission. And that sounded great. So we tried to set this thing up. And this thing, well, it was a different beast. It wasn't just my lack of capacity in this case. There actually were some significant problems with the challenge itself. So there have been some changes on the internet, specifically with web security over the past couple of years. And ultimately, what it's led to is that cookies, they don't work how they used to. And it's very difficult to track someone's activity on your website, especially if they visit multiple pages or leave your website and then come back. And what this means is that affiliate links don't work nearly as well as they used to, especially in situations like I just mentioned, where the user leaves your website and then comes back. So if your business model is such that when a customer comes to your website, they probably make a purchase right then, then you can pretty easily set up an affiliate program. Or if you have a business model where when a new visitor comes to your website, they're likely to sign up for a free trial that later converts into a paid subscription or a product purchase. That also can work pretty well. But when you have a business like mine, a business that relies on content marketing, where typically people visit my website numerous times or else listen to my podcast and my YouTube channel for weeks, if not months, before finally making a purchase via an email, it is extremely difficult to track people via links. And what that means is that setting up an affiliate program that works properly is nearly impossible. So in other words, what I mean is, yes, I could set up an affiliate program and I could have people sign up for it and I could give them affiliate links and then they could promote those affiliate links and those links would send people to my website. And I would be able to see that people were coming to my website. But then a few months later, when some of those people made purchases, I would have no idea, meaning like the software would not be able to tell me whether those were the same people that were sent by that particular affiliate or whether they'd been sent by someone else or just stumbled across me via Google. And that, in my opinion, is a big problem because while I still might make sales from it, I wouldn't be able to appropriately compensate the affiliates for the promotion work that they did. I wouldn't be able to pay people for the sales that they generated. And like I said, that's a big problem. Now, that's not to say that there aren't potential workarounds. For example, I could pivot my business model so that I have people set up free trials when they come to my website. And that might be something I do in the future. Or alternatively, as I mentioned earlier, we did some JV launches that worked really well, joint venture launches. So this is where I was working with just one partner at a time. So for example, ConvertKit promoted my webinar to their audience. Then we all showed up and I taught the webinar and then I promoted my product right there at the webinar. And then after the webinar, I sent sales emails to those people who had just come from ConvertKit's audience to promote the product further. And we made a bunch of money doing that. And I knew for sure that all of those sales came from ConvertKit's audience because we attract all of those people, those specific people, specific email addresses that signed up for that webinar. And so that does work. Working with one partner at a time and doing some sort of promotion that people are opting in for. So for example, registering for a webinar. I definitely want to do more of those in the future. But I would love to get a public affiliate program set up, something that anyone who wants to promote my products can just sign up for and then earn commissions by promoting my products. But it was something that definitely didn't work in 2023. 
Okay, if you have a few more minutes, then let's talk about these last two things on my list. These are the mixed bag things. So like I said, there are two of them. The first one is raising prices. (laughs) Okay, so it's a mixed bag. Here's the good and the bad. The good was that at the very beginning of the year, we raised prices pretty significantly. Why? Well, because of inflation, because my team had grown, because we'd expanded the products, and because people were telling us over and over and over again that the products were dramatically underpriced and that they were worth way more than other products that they had paid way more for. And so, so many people told us that we should be charging more. So we listened and we raised the prices. And that was really good, like really good. We doubled the prices of some of the products and the conversion rates didn't change, meaning that we just made twice as much money whenever we promoted them. So that was awesome. But then mid-year, we decided to raise the prices further because we still were charging way less than a lot of my competitors. And still people were telling me that the price should be higher. So we raised the prices again. And that time, it didn't work so well. Conversion rates were pretty dramatically affected. And those launches after that second price raise did not perform nearly as well. And this is where I feel really uncomfortable and vulnerable because I'm admitting something that really didn't work well. But I want to be fully honest with you about what worked and what didn't. Now, as usual, I want to tell you what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying don't raise your prices. Seriously, there's a good chance you should probably raise your prices. But I think the main lesson I learned here was that you can't raise your prices too much too fast, right? I had already done a big price range and so it didn't work very well to raise it again so soon and so much. And so in the future, I'm going to take a more stepwise approach where we raise them just a little bit at a time to make sure we're keeping up with inflation and costs and things like that, but not shock my audience, which I think I did this year. And I'm really sorry about that. I want to make sure that my products and programs stay accessible to you who need them right now. You who want to grow your business. I want you to have the tools that make it possible for you. And I don't want to charge an arm and a leg. I want to charge a price that makes sense for where you're at right now. And just to be fully transparent about this, that means that I have some products that are a lot more expensive than others. Because I have some products that are designed for the new bootstrapping entrepreneur And that might be you right now. Maybe as you're listening, you haven't even started your business at all. And you're just trying to figure out this whole online business thing from the ground up. And that's amazing. And I am so excited for what is in store for you and what you're going to experience over these next couple of years. And I know that right now you probably don't have a big budget to spend on coaching or software or anything like that. So my products that are geared towards beginners are still quite affordable. But then on the other hand, 100K Mastermind is our advanced coaching program. And it's not for people who are just getting started. It's for people who are already making some real money in their business. And they just want to make things more automated, more consistent, and scale things up so that they can surpass six figures a year. Well, if that's you, then I know that you're ready for the serious commitment that comes along with investing thousands of dollars in your business. And so that's how we've priced 100K Mastermind. All right, as I'm recording this, I'm almost at the top of the hour and that is my hard cutoff. So let's talk real quickly about this last thing that was a mixed bag. And that was trying a four-day work week. So throughout 2023, I continued to work my typical 20 to 25 hours. In fact, most weeks it was 20 hours and some weeks even less. 
But after having my youngest child last year, I had this weird experience where he came really early. He was over six weeks early. And so I wasn't quite ready for mat leave yet. So I still needed to work a little bit after he was born. So at first what I was doing was I was working an hour or two a day, every day, five days a week. Well, after a week or two of that, I was like, I don't like this. This isn't working. So let's do this instead. How about I work four hours a day for two days, like Monday and Tuesday, and then I won't work the whole rest of the week. So I'll work for two days, have five days off. That felt so much better. It was so much nicer to work fewer days for more hours on those days. So then later in 2023, I thought, hey, maybe I should try that again. Maybe instead of working four hours a day, five days a week, maybe I should work five hours a day for four days a week. Maybe that would feel better. So I tried that, but it didn't go so well. And here's what I think happened. At the same time that I tried to cut back to four days per week, I was starting to really feel the weight of that overcommitment that I talked about earlier. I had all these projects and goals lined up for the year, and now I really didn't have enough time. To be clear, I wouldn't have had enough time even if I was working the five days a week, but the fact that I was trying to get it all done in four days a week just felt like I was drowning in projects. So honestly, in 2024, I'm trying the four-day work week again, just with a lot less commitments, a lot less projects, a lot less weight on my shoulders, and we'll see how it goes this time around. All right, well, there you have it. The good, the bad, and the mixed bag. I hope you found this episode super insightful, that you learned a lot, that you can take some of what you learned and apply it to your business as we enter into this new year. I know I'm going to be looking back on this episode myself to remember what worked so well and what didn't so that I don't make the same mistakes in the future. And I hope you can do the same. As this is the first episode I'm recording in 2024, I'll take this opportunity to say Happy New Year's to you. I hope that your year is already off to a great start, and I hope that you experience some incredible wins throughout this coming year, whether those are big goals that you hit or big lessons that you learn. Of course, none of us know exactly what this year will hold, but whatever it does, I hope it's a great one for you. And here's to your success. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins. And until next week, stay focused and take action.